Good day and welcome to another edition of Cross Faith Bible Ministries. Bible studies will be continuing on in the Gospel of John. We'll be in chapter 5. We'll be covering verses 30 through 38 today. And the title of today's lesson is Witnesses to Jesus. Let's review back from last week or the last few weeks, a couple of weeks, I guess. We've been learning, we've been seeing where Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. And particularly, he's talking to the Pharisees. Now, when we're talking about religious leaders, remember, there's two groups of religious leaders. There's the the, uh, Sadducees and there's the Pharisees. Now, there's difference between the two. The Sadducees, they just read the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of our Bible. But they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the afterlife, right? They didn't believe in none of this stuff. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they also read the Torah, but they also studied the prophets. They believed in the angels. They believed in the afterlife. They believed in the resurrection, just the opposite of the Sadducees. But something else about the Pharisees that we need to keep in mind that's been a very important factor in the last few weeks of our studies, and that is, although they were teachers of the law and they knew the law, like the back of their hand. They just knew it. They, they, they came up with something called the traditions of the elders, which was their man-made laws or their man-made interpretations of the law of Moses. Now, we know that's not biblical because it's man-made. It's not God-made. It's not from God. But this is what they believed. And the important part here is this, that they put more emphasis on their man-made rules, their man-made laws. So you can say they put more emphasis and they, they studied more and they told more of the traditions of the elders than really the law of Moses. So we see last week where Jesus is going to continue talking to the Pharisees. And he's telling them, if you remember, that he's equal to God. Well, he's equal to God because he is God, right? But the Pharisees are so caught up in their man-made rules and their man-made traditions, that they don't see this. Now, they should have seen this because the prophets spoke about this. Moses on all the way up. I mean, even God told Abraham, there's coming a day where, you know, we're not going to be sacrificing what? Lambs and sheep, right? That's going to be my only begotten son. So we see this throughout the Old Testament. But the Pharisees, They're blinded by the truth. They're blinded by this. Why? Because of their man-made traditions. And they're so worried about those traditions and laws and rules that they implemented. So they're against Jesus. They're trying to find something to hold against Jesus where they can arrest him, you see? So we also seen last week that God the Father gave all authority, gave all power to Jesus. Now, we also see that in the book of Daniel. We also see that in the book of Revelation. So he gives all power to Yeshua, which means Yeshua is going to be the one to judge you, not God in the end. So that being said, open up your Bibles to John chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 30. We're going to read 30 through 38 first. This is what it says. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Some of your Bibles might say just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him 
who sent me to Father. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another one who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp. Some of your Bibles might say menorah. And you were willing to rejoice for him while he was in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has also bore witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. So let's go back to verse 30. Verse 30 starts off and the first text in that scripture is, I can do nothing on my own. So what we see here is this. Jesus is speaking right now to us and to the audience as the Son of God. And he says, I do nothing on my own. Right? And we need to understand this because we also need a, a complete need of absolute dependence upon our Heavenly Father. Amen? Look what else he says. He says, as I hear. So when he says this word, as I hear, he's speaking or he's talking about revelation here. So what he's doing is he's trying to point out to us that we need to be better listeners to God's truth. We need to be better listeners to the Bible. Why? So that we know how to properly respond. We know how to properly act. In other words, we act and behave in such a way that it is the outcome of God's revelation. Continuing on in the, in the scripture, he also says this, that I judge and my judgment is righteous. Some of your Bibles might say just. So when he says my judgment, what he's saying is, is I'm not basing it off of what I see. But instead, I'm basing it off of the one who sent me, which is the Heavenly Father, right? So we can say that everything he does right here is holy. Everything he judged, everything he does is righteous. It's just, right? Now, this term righteous is a word that relates to the kingdom. And we see this throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. So Jesus is making judgments based upon kingdom truth, we can say. And this is what we should also be doing. Amen? Because I seek not my own, but the will of him who sent me, the Father. So Jesus says right here that I have not come into this world to fulfill my own plans, to do my own will. That's what he's saying. But, but in fact, what I did was I came basing everything off of what my heavenly father says, off of heavenly revelation, you can say, right? Now, this should be a perfect example, a great example to us. So what we find here is this in this scripture. What Jesus is trying to tell us is when we, when we walk in obedience, right? 
What we are going to be expressing is the will of God. And this is what pleases God. When we end his will, when we do, when we're obedient and we listen to him. And there is an inherent relationship between the will of God and the holiness of God. You see, the will of God manifests as holiness. So we can say that there's a re relationship between the holiness of God and the purposes of God. You see, it is only when that we are doing the purposes of God that we are going to be living holy, that we're going to be living in a way that pleases our Heavenly Father. This means we are living in a way that manifests His character. How many times you heard me talk about when you become a disciple in Christ, when you become a follower in Christ, what are you doing? We take on the attributes and the character of Jesus. And here we see it again. Verse 31. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Now we've talked about the fact that there's a relationship between the righteousness and the law. And, and what he has just said here is in reference to the law. He's pinpointing the law. Now, why do I say this? Notice what he says. He says, if I witness concerning myself, my witness isn't true. Now, why does Jesus say this? Because one person's witness isn't good enough for the Torah. So Jesus is showing us here that he's living under the law of Moses, that he's living under the law. Now, everything that Jesus says, everything he does, everything he did, it's true. But he says right here, I only speak on what is right. I only speak on what is holy. So what's happening is this. Jesus, Yeshua, our Savior, is a man that has set himself under the law, under the, the parameters of God, you can say, right? So he's saying, if I witness only by myself, then it's not going to be received by anybody. Because it goes against the law of Moses. It goes against the commandments of God. You see, according to the law, it says it's based on the testimony of two or three for truth to be established. And you see, the law of God clearly states that everything must be established under the basis of the commandments of God. So this has to be under two or three witnesses. How do I know that? Because if you look in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 19, verse 15 tells you that. Also, we find that in 2 Corinthians 13.1. You see, let me, let me try to give you an example of what, what Jesus is doing here. He's setting himself under the law, but he's also setting himself to, towards revelation, towards the future. What do I mean? We have to go back to the transfiguration, right? Moses and Elijah, they're present there. And there are two witnesses from the Old Testament who testify of Christ during their time on this earth. And Christ, by revealing his glory to them, testifies that what they have preached is true. Now, all the writings of the Old Testament they're all trustworthy. They're all true. They're sure, right? And Moses and Elijah and the rest of the prophets of the Old Testament, what they did, they prophesied about the coming of Christ. Yet, they did not get to see him. Rather, 
They were guided by the Holy Spirit to write all these things, right? That they longed to see. But at Jesus' transfiguration, Moses and Elijah see what they preach and what they wrote. And God's only begotten son in human flesh. Now, for the apostles that were there, for the disciples, Peter, James, and John, man, it's just the total opposite. They have not written anything down yet. But they see Jesus in the flesh. They see God in the flesh. In fact, even before this transfiguration, if you remember with Peter, Peter confessed to Jesus that you are the Christ, that you are the son of the living God. You see, after they witnessed Jesus proved to be the Christ, then they wrote that they had witnessed it. So here on this mountain, we have two witnesses from the Old Testament and three witnesses from the New Testament. It's under the law. But he's looking towards the future, you see. They're seeing with their eyes. They're hearing with their ears that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. See, you can also see why the Apostle Paul talks about this and he declares this in Ephesians chapter 2. What does he say? He says that the house of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And he says that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, himself becomes that cornerstone. Verse 32. There is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Now here he's referring to John the Baptist. And why is this so important? Because we need to understand the correct context of what's going on. We have seen where he had talked about himself before, not as the son of God, meaning that he is submissive, right? Meaning that he, he carried out the will of God, the purposes of God, the plans of God. But he also says, and we studied this in previous studies, that he is the son of man. Now, what does that have to do with? What does that mean, son of man? It has to do with service, but it also has to do with kingdom. Now, what must we take place for the kingdom to become a reality in this world? What has to happen? Redemption has to happen, right? Remember what John the Baptist says. Remember, John's baptizing people at the River Jordan, if you remember. And he's talking about repentance and the kingdom of God. Repent because the kingdom is near. He's talking about Jesus being here. He's saying that the Messiah is here. He had heavenly revelation from God. And that's he knew that Jesus was present. And as he continues preaching, he gathers more and more followers, right? But as he looks up, one day he sees Jesus walking toward him. And if you remember what John the Baptist says, he says, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who comes to take it away the sins of the world. Now, why am I telling you that? Because this word lamb is a word that always connects itself to the Passover. And we've studied the Passover in here, right? We know it takes place at the Passover. So we will see how important Passover is is in the Gospel of John. It's going to appear several times in Scripture. See, we saw, for example, in John chapter 2, and we're going to see it again in a short period of time, in a few minutes. So Messiah here, Yeshua, is expressing himself as the Redeemer, 
And based upon that, we need to find favor with him. Amen? And you might ask why. Because if you remember what we studied last week, and what's in the book of Daniel, what's in the book of Revelation, that all judgment, all authority, all power has been given to him by the Heavenly Father. He is our Redeemer. He is our Savior. He is the leader of the kingdom. So when we think about the final kingdom, we need to think about it as the final redemption. Amen? So what Jesus is saying here is that what John the Baptist speaks about, what he's preaching about, what he's teaching about, is all true and it all comes from God and heavenly revelation. Amen? Verse 33. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Now, much of this chapter, and really the gospel itself, we can say, he's speaking to the Judeans, the Jews. But in particular, he's speaking to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, because they embrace the traditions of the elders, as we spoke about at the very beginning of this lesson. So because they worship and they follow their own rules, they're turning away from the commandments and the truth of God. But you see, John the Baptist, he doesn't do this. John the Baptist testifies in a way that is right. He testifies in a way that is true. He testifies in a way that is according to the word of God. So John knows and he tells everybody that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is our Savior, that Jesus is our Redeemer. Verse 34. Now the testimony that I receive is from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. Now, let's look at that text right here. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man. Now, why does he say that? Because you see, man does not substantiate truth. What man does is man simply affirms the truth of God. Amen? So what Jesus is saying here is that I'm not dependent upon the testimony of man. Now remember, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, and particularly the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, man, they had a very different view. See, they see themselves as the decision makers. They see themselves that God put them in control. And they're on top, sort of like the power brokers, right? And everybody else is underneath, including God. So they think that God gave them all of the control. And this is what they believe. But we know that this isn't true. This isn't biblical. So Jesus is trying to undercut right here their foundation. You see, because they believe that they were the power brokers, right? And, and, and that they, they make what is appointed by God, but we know that it isn't the case, right? But they think they're in control. So what Jesus is doing, he's undercutting what they believe. He's undercutting their foundation. But I say these things so that you may not be saved, he says. Now, this is one of the first places in the Gospel of John where we see salvation being talked about. And notice what Jesus says here. He says, the reason why I'm saying these things is that you might be saved. Now, this word in the Greek context is really in the passive. And what do I mean by that is this. We in ourselves can't save ourselves, right? What this is telling us is that we need to be a recipient, a work that someone did 
that we are saved. And that work comes from Jesus Christ himself and what he did on the cross at Calvary. That he died. Not for my sins, not for only my sins and your sins, but for the whole world. The whole world. The sins were on his shoulders. He died so we might have a chance to rise at the rapture. So we might have a chance to be redeemed and to be praising and worshiping and honoring in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So this tells us right here that we can't save ourselves. That, that the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. You see, there's a lot of people that think that work save you. I do great works, man. I do great stuff in the community, they say, right? I give to the poor. I give to the charity. And that's all great. Jesus is proud of you. He's happy. That's awesome. But you can't work your way to heaven. If you work your way to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have went on the cross and took the punishment that he did. Think about that. Right? So by you saying that works can get you to heaven, you're really mocking what Jesus did. Because Jesus took the punishment. What he said, it is finished. It's done. The first stage of the process is over. You got free. The salvation for you is free. You just need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You, you need to know that he is the Messiah. And that he died on the third day he rose from the grave. You need to believe in him. You need to have faith in him. True belief and true faith. That means commitment. Jesus is looking for a commitment from you. He, he wants a commitment. You know, as a coach, what do you want from your players? You want commitment. As the owner of a company, a CEO, what do you want from your employees? You want commitment. You want loyalty, right? That's what Jesus is asking us to do right here. Our Heavenly Father says the only way you can get to me, or Jesus said that, the only way you can get to my Heavenly Father is through me. You see, in Judaism today, the majority of the population, they believe in God. But the problem is this. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Mashiach to present himself. So in and of itself, we can't save ourselves. Only Jesus Christ can save us. And only you got to welcome him into your heart because he's knocking at the door. But you understand that Jesus will never force himself onto you. He gives you a choice. He says you can choose the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, or you, or you can walk in the flesh. And you, you, you can be under the demise and under the control of Satan himself. And we know that most of the world is under the control of Satan himself because Jesus says that, that the devil is the father of this earth. And we know from what Jesus preached in the Gospel of Matthew about the two roads. There's two roads, he says, that leads to heaven. One road leads to heaven and the other road leads to destruction. There's only one of two roads you can be on, he says. And what else, what else he says? He says, very, very few will be on that broad road that leads to that very small gate. But that small gate, once you get in, it's the kingdom of heaven. Is the kingdom of God. Jesus says very few will be on that road. But you see when he talks about the other road for destruction. That road that is broad. broad that road that is wide open. Through that wide, wide gate. He said many people will be on that road. So that just goes to show you. What the world is. The majority of the world. 
is controlled by the father of this earth, the devil. Verse 35. He was a burning or a shining lamp. Some of your Bibles might say menorah. And you are willing to rejoice for a while in his light. You see, when John the Baptist comes onto the scene, let me give you a little history here. Everybody around Judea and, and really Israel, his word spread fast about this prophet. They believed he was a prophet. They, I mean, even the leadership said that. I mean, the people held John the Baptist in high esteem. And, and, and what was John speaking on? He said, repent. Because the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is at hand. Now, all of the people, even the leadership, man, when he said this, they all rejoiced. But you see, as they started listening more and more, these religious leaders, and they found out that this kingdom of truth, this kingdom was going to displace their leaders. And what would happen? The leaders, man, they were against the message then. They didn't want to have nothing to do with that. Why? Because they wanted power. They want control. They wanted to rule. So we can say that because of their pride, they rejected the truth. They rejected godly revelation. Now, what I want you to see concerning this text is the word lamp or menorah. In Hebrew, it means to reveal something. You see the lamp or the menorah was made of solid gold. And there was another vessel in the temple that was also made of solid gold, and that was the mercy seat. This was covering the Ark of the Covenant, right? And what was unique about this? Well, if you go to the book of Numbers, in chapter 7, verse 89, it tells you. It says, when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he held the voice speaking to him, from between the two, two cherubims, above the atonement cover of the Ark of the Covenant of Law. And this way the Lord spoke to him. So there's a relationship, you can say, between this location and the lamp, the menorah. Now the truth that he's trying to say is this. Because the menorah is solid gold, it manifested itself. It revealed itself, right? So we can say that it was a source of illumination concerning God's presence. But you see what John the Baptist is doing, he's doing the same thing. Because he was a source of godly revelation. He was a source that was in the very presence of God, which means Emmanuel, which means God is with us, right? So he's with us. How? By the person of Yeshua, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Messiah. That's how. Continuing on with the text. He says, and you are willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So he's saying, man, when John the Baptist first came onto the scene, when he was speaking about the kingdom of God, repent, the kingdom of God is near. He says, man, you rejoice for a while with him. But he says later on, right, what happens when you get to hear the truth? You're blinded by truth. And why are they blinded by truth? They're blinded by truth because of the traditions of the elders. They're blinded by truth because of pride. So they, they really didn't have an understanding of the kingdom of God, you see. 
Because in the kingdom of God, there's no pride. In the kingdom of God, the only one that rules is Jesus, amen? Not man. But what they wanted to do, they wanted to rule. They wanted to be in control, right? People in the kingdom of God is all about worship. It's all about prayer. It's all about honoring Jesus as our Lord of Lord and King of Kings, amen? Verse 36. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Look what he says. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. Now, why is that, you say? Because John just pointed to the source of revelation. That's what John did. John paved the way for Jesus. But you see, Jesus, Yeshua, he is the revelation. Amen. See, John announced the kingdom. He said, Messiah, he's here. Messiah was going to be the one, he's saying, through his revelation, through his testimony, that would bring you, the people, into that kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, some of your Bibles might say complete or completion. Now, this word accomplish or completion or complete, it really is the same form or context, you can say, as with what Jesus said when he was on the cross. And Jesus says what? It is finished. Now, what does that mean when he says it is finished? He's speaking about the work of redemption. This is the first aspect, he says, that's completed. See, I've shared with you that whenever we talk about the word redemption in Hebrew, from an Old Testament standpoint now, there are two meanings of this word. And one is the work of redemption. And, and, and we know when Jesus said it is finished, that's what he was speaking about. This is the first phase. It's over with. It's done. You just need to come to me and accept me as Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, as the Messiah. So that's the first outcome of that. But what else has to be done for that outcome to occur, right? Is the outcome, the establishment of the kingdom itself. That's the final outcome. So this brings me to the second one, which is the outcome. So when Jesus came the first time, we can say, he came to do the work of redemption. He paid the price, a severe price for us, right? This means when, when, when he says it is finished, that's what it means. The first phase is done. But here, right now, in this context, in this scripture, we're speaking about his work, about the first meaning of redemption. We're speaking about what's to come that he calls the second outcome. And what is that second outcome? The establishment of the kingdom of heaven. The establishment of the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what he means by this. Last half of that scripture. The very words that I am doing bear witness about me. That the father has sent me. So over and over and over in the passage. What Messiah is saying is that I'm here because God sent me here. In other words, he's here to do the father's will. And the purpose of that is for a kingdom purpose. Purpose of that is for you to be in the kingdom of God later on. That's what he's saying. 
Why? Because he wants you to receive redemption. He wants you to rise at, at the rapture of the church. Jesus says, I'm here to do the work. I'm here to take the punishment. I'm here to do the payment of redemption, he's saying. But in the end, I will establish the outcome of that redemption, and that's going to be the kingdom of God. Verse 37. And the Father who sent me has also bore witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. Now, here is a very, very important point. At this time, Jesus is speaking directly to the leadership, the religious leaders. And he says concerning his voice, meaning the Father, his revelation, meaning the Father, he says, you have never heard. Now, why is this so important? Because you see, through hearing, there is revelation. There is understanding. That's why it's very important, people, to be in prayer every morning, to start your day off in prayer every morning. But not only pray, but also would do exactly what the Word of God says right here. Listen. Because you need to listen to that small voice of the Holy Spirit. Because that Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you. That Holy Spirit wants to be the light in you that shines, that attracts more people to you where you can introduce them to our Father, Jesus Christ. Amen? So he says right here, he says, it is through my revelation, it's through my redemption, it is through the Holy Spirit, because remember, it's the Father, it's the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit, right? Through Him. If you sit down, you have a relationship, you pray, you listen, he's going to reveal. There's revelation. That's what he's saying. There is an understanding. So Jesus tells the leaders, he says, you have never heard his voice. And because of this, you are void of revelation. How you like that? See, they have not responded to the word of God. This is what Jesus is telling them. And because they have not responded to it, they have not seen the revelation of God. So they can't discern God because in one sense, God is standing right in front of them and they don't even notice. They're blinded. And this is exactly what happens when you don't understand the Bible, when you don't understand the Word of God. You're missing out on godly revelation. You're missing out on spending time and listening and, and doing what God wants you to do. You know, there's a lot of people that go to church. There's a lot of people that never miss church, but they don't even open the Bible and they don't know nothing about the Bible. Well, God's pleased that you're going to church, but how's your relationship with Jesus? Are you, are you walking? Are you following the Word of God, the truth of God? Are you implementing what you from the Bible, what you read, or you implement that in your daily life, because that is the word of God. That is the truth of God. Amen. Verse 38, our last verse for today. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. So again, he's saying over and over in this passage, the problem with the leadership is that they're not responding to the word of God, right? They don't have any understanding or they can't discern the word of God. Even when God is before them, you can say, right? And this is why they have not received Jesus. 
So in this passage of scripture, what Jesus is telling us and telling them is that they really don't have an understanding of the word of God. So you can say that they misunderstand the truth. And therefore, they can't respond to the things of God. And that is a very, very important principle, especially for you and me. You see, if we don't understand God's truth, then we aren't people that understand the revelation of Scripture. It's that simple. We are not going to be able to respond. We are not going to be able to act in obedience. We will not be able to position ourselves so that God can work through us. Amen? And because of this, you know what's going to happen? Our lives are become empty. But even worse, we become spiritually frustrated. And that's not the life that God intended for us to live. That's not the life that Jesus wants to see you dwell in. He wants to see you in his truth. He wants to see you in the word of God. He wants to see you and listen to you in prayer. He wants you to listen to him while y'all establish that intimate relationship with one another because he is the only way to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And that concludes our lesson for this week. We're going to be back next week. We're going to finish off John chapter 5. We sure do appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Go be a blessing for someone this, this week. Until next week, we love you. God bless. Praise God.